When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams even of my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. Open my lips, O Lord, that my mouth shall show forth your praise. And Lord, pour forth your spirit on us now, so that we may be recreated evermore in your image and likeness. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening and welcome. It is Pentecost. It's that 50th day after Easter, the one feast that by the time we get to it, you're all sick and tired of all the feasts and the fasts and the things that we do and all the colors. But it's okay because this is the last one, and it's an important one, and it's last for a reason. If you think about what Jesus came to do when he was born of a virgin on December 25th, and you think about how we prepare for that with the season of Advent, and you think about 
the liturgical calendar, the church calendar that we go through to not only remember the life of Christ, but really to preach the gospel to ourselves through time. When we engage in the, the Christian calendar, we step into time as Jesus lived it. It doesn't mean we transport ourselves magically back to Galilee, those dusty roads, those dirty feet, those sandals, etc., etc. But it does mean we step into a reality that is beyond ourselves. And that's what Pentecost is all about. It's about receiving a reality that is beyond ourselves, and it's about becoming partakers of a community that we could never create. As charming, winsome, witty, some would say, we are. We could never do what God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did on that day of Pentecost. And so that's why we take a minute, this 50th day after Easter, that's why we celebrate, that's why you look around you, you see red, thank you Central Lutheran, there's even red carpet for today, did you notice that? The guys worked so hard this week. But we don't wear red very often at church. It's the color of fire, it's the color of the Holy Spirit, if you ever see a red vapor. Um, it's the color when we ordain somebody to the to the diaconate, to the priesthood, or when somebody is consecrated a bishop. It's also the color for Holy Week, for those very intense days, those final days of Jesus, where we remember his death, his passion. But his death and his passion is not for naught. Because as he told his disciples, I am sending someone to you, not something. Don't worry. It's a great thing that will help you. He says, I'm going to send you the helper, the spirit of truth. And he will lead you into all truth. He's the advocate. He's the counselor. He's the one that comes alongside. He's the one that will show you everything that I've been telling you. And so we fast forward about 50 days or so after Jesus uttered those words to the disciples. We fast forward and the disciples are huddled together in a small upper room, in a little part of Jerusalem that was called Mount Zion. Now, the Temple Mount is popularly called Mount Zion, but this part of Jerusalem is also called Zion. And there they are, huddled together in this room, and Amy and I got to be in the place where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples. And can you imagine? Because some of the last things they asked Jesus before he was like, I'm out of here, peace. Some of the last things he said were, is it now time for you to restore the kingdom of Israel, Jesus? So they still didn't quite get it, did they? They still weren't quite sure what it was going to look like, what it was going to feel like. They still were wondering and if in their own power, if in their own ability, if in their own might or strength, and we talked about this at length last week on the Ascension, that they might constitute this new humanity in their wisdom. So they like Matthias. We need, Judas chose his own path. We need, a, we need a 12th guy. They like Matthias. And they're minding their own business. They're all together in that upper room in Jerusalem. And then what happens? The sound of a mighty rushing wind. Now, I grew up in West Texas. And 
my hair, if you saw me in those days, was usually straight up in the air. Not because I used a lot of product, but because the wind was incessant and it would, it would beat you up and it would abuse you psychologically. It would put you in your place. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's terrifying. So imagine what the disciples must have been feeling. Do you think that they were like, oh, guys, this is it. I, here it is. I, they must have been scared to death. But in that moment, God, who is kind, whose servant, Jesus, Isaiah says in Isaiah 43, would not break a bruised reed or snuff out a smoldering wick, God was in their midst. God was doing something that was beyond the disciples. He was creating something that they could not create on their own. And he was inviting them into a reality that was beyond themselves. Peter says, I know what this is. After people accuse them of being drunk and he says, hey, it's only nine in the morning, but give us a break. But thanks for thinking that. No, they're not drunk. No, they're not mad. As this crowd gathers around this building. Now, you just heard that sound. Was that sound pleasing to you? Not particularly. There, I heard some of our younger members out there, you know, echoing back their own uh, tongues of praise, perhaps. It was a cacophony, except for the one whose language they spoke. And think about the thoughtfulness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who gave this gift of tongues to the apostles as divided tongues of fire are on them. And now they're uttering the praises of God. They may have never heard the praises of God in their own native tongue. If they're proselytes or converts, they've learned this religious language called Hebrew. They may have never heard someone eloquently, beautifully, and in a captivating way saying, God is one, God is true, and his son Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Can you imagine what that would have sounded like for the first time in your native tongue? After, for most of us, Texan is our native tongue or, or English. But just think about that for a minute. In a way that you could never know that you needed to hear, it was told to you specifically. So there's a cacophony except for the one that hears in his or her native tongue. And Peter says, I know what's happening. I know that this is beyond us. I know what this is. This is what the prophet Joel wrote about in Joel chapter 2. And I want you to listen to what Peter says. This is in your bulletin on page 2. You may need to read it again because you may have missed it the first time. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 this is Peter quoting the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You've heard that read in synagogue once every however often. You know that God somehow is this spirit that you can't see. But now, all of a sudden, there's a specific event. There is something tangible. There's something audible, something terrifying. Remember what Mr. Beaver told the Pevensey children, Lucy in particular? He's not safe about Aslan the lion, but he's good. There must have been something unsafe about this holy fire. And you realize, 
This is the Spirit of God being poured out on all flesh. Now listen how Joel says it, Peter quoting him. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, hold on a minute. Prophesying was not for sons and daughters. Who was prophesying for? The prophets. But all of a sudden, in this really sort of theocratic hierarchy, the the playing field is completely leveled. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And then who's going to dream dreams and have visions? Old men, young men are going to dream dreams. They're going to have visions. Wait a minute. Prophets are supposed to dream dreams and have visions. And Peter says, that's for all of us now. That's for you. That's for me. God leads us now. Maybe you've had a dream before where God has spoken to you. Maybe you've had a vision before. I'll never forget about five years ago, pretty close to the day, I was in London. I was working at a church called All Saints Dallas, and we had been talking about planting another church. And I had this amazing, clear vision of East Dallas with this Anglican church and a church that was committed to Scripture and sustained by the sacraments and animated by the Holy Spirit. And I had this vision, not just the prophets anymore, not just for the professionals, even though I happen to be a professional, (laughs) functioning in my professional capacity at this moment. Don't let anybody tell you differently. (laughs) So old men and young men dream dreams, sons and daughters prophesy, and look at verse 18, even, now, if that wasn't enough, sons and daughters Men, not just men, but and women. Do you see and hear that? Everyone has this equal share in this new humanity that the Holy Spirit didn't go rogue and was like, hey guys, watch this. This is all connected to what Jesus is doing. When Jesus came to show us what it looks like to be fully human, his incarnation, his baptism, his fasting and temptation, his passion and death, his resurrection and ascension. This is the final piece of the puzzle. This is the final chapter of the story. And do you know what? The story isn't over yet. We are still living in these final days. Peter calls them the last days. The last days are not just reserved for Tim LaHaye novel. The last days have been from the day of Pentecost The birth of the church, the moment when God said, remember what I told Jeremiah, that the law will no longer be written on tablets of stone, but it will be written on your heart and you will know me. And like I told Ezekiel, that other prophet, that I will take out your heart of stone and I will put in you a heart of flesh. All of that, my dear sons and daughters, is coming to pass right now on this day of Pentecost. So the story continues in you, it continues in me, it continues because Jesus is ascended at the right hand of the Father in heaven and enables and empowers our mission, and because the Holy Spirit, with the unlimited resources of heaven, did you hear what I just said? The unlimited resources of heaven. The kingdom of God is not a zero-sum game. We want all people who are preaching the gospel of Christ to see people know him, Truly, 
And the Spirit of God is not, he's not stingy. He is giving to us even now, even today. Hmm. Friends, that's the same Spirit in which and with which we are going to baptize four precious young girls. We are going to immerse them into the life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in a reality that is beyond themselves, in a reality that is beyond me. We will lift them to God so that they can grow in the grace, in the knowledge, and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how old they are in this baptism, on this day of Pentecost, when God created anew. He will create anew in these young women, these young ladies. So the Spirit is poured out on all flesh, even on my male servants and my female servants. In those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. He goes on to talk about blood moons, etc. But I just want you to hear and see what Joel said and what Peter highlights, that even the lowest of the low, even those who have a job and a role in society, which was very much like that which our Lord Jesus Christ took upon himself. Remember when he took off his outer garment, tied it around his waist, and girded himself like a servant. And Peter before he learned more things, before, before he became aware of the depth of his own brokenness and shame, the depth of his own pride, and his own unregenerate religious zeal, Peter said, no, you can't wash me. And Jesus says, I have to serve you. And now Jesus is serving Peter and the apostles and all of us in this new and different way by pouring out the Holy Spirit, even on servants. Think a minute for the ways that you've experienced God, the Holy Spirit. You may have experienced him him, in a cacophony kind of way, a loud, boisterous, shaking kind of way. You may have experienced him like the rain this morning, a gentle, soaking, refreshing, deeply necessary way. As I, was, as I was preparing this week, I thought about some of the ways that I experienced the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's very demonstrative. Sometimes it's very pointed, like these. I've never seen fire on somebody's head, FYI. But don't put it past God. God is still alive and working powerfully in signs and wonders. It didn't stop somewhere around the fourth century because at a council at Nicaea, they said, now we have the Bible, no more gifts of the Holy Spirit. That is not true. These gifts are still poured out on us. I remember in 1995 at church camp being totally convicted of my sin. Already a Christian, already had been baptized, but realizing how deplorable I was and shaking violently just knowing that my heart was more like a heart of stone instead of a heart of flesh. I prayed with a friend last Thursday over the phone, a simple prayer. And every time I pray with this guy, this happens. I mean, we'll, we'll be sitting at his table for dinner or anything. It doesn't have to be a pointed prayer like, God, just get Jay. It's just 
old Doug, he's just praying. But something happens to me. I feel the spirit of God, the presence of God, calming, soaking rain. When I'm praying, when I'm silent, I'm an achiever. And there's a guy named Richard Rohr who talks about personality and psychology and all sorts of stuff. But one thing he says for people who have a personality type like mine, if you know the Enneagram, it's number three. He says for people like me that really the pathway forward to life, to depth, to let that that channel of God's grace not just be like a, a fire hose, but to be like an aquifer underground, giving life to all the things around. The thing that guys like you need, Jay, are silence and contemplation because I just talk so much. So think about for you. And what we want to do as we move into baptism, as we take these next few moments to immerse these young girls into a reality that is beyond themselves, that is beyond us, but we are the representation of it. We are the physical incarnation of it. Before we do that, let's close. Just, I want you to be quiet as you can. I know we've got people shuffling around. That is okay. Shuffle away. If you want to close your eyes, if you want to stare at the stained glass window, if you want to look at a candle, those are some of the things I do. And as you're quiet, I just want you to actively receive from God because he's constantly pouring out his Holy Spirit in ways that are seen and unseen. Receive from him. Listen to him. Listen to him. Because the same spirit who came like fire all those years ago in the upper room in Jerusalem is with you now. He's speaking now. He's creating now, renewing now. Hmm. Hmm. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the silence of the old and the cry of the young. And we receive afresh and anew the life that you give us in your Holy Spirit. Lord, by it, would you, by him, would you multiply the preaching of your gospel so that not only do we experience the inexpressible love of God, but that others who are dead and lost in sin and trespasses, for those who are not yet born of the kingdom, would see and hear and know be drawn to you at a place just like this here at St. Bartholomew's. And now, Lord, as we baptize these, would you pour out your spirit afresh and anew, even now, in Jesus' name, amen.